proudest day and the proudest time and the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and, and, and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Welcome along to Crunching Gears. Let's talk rallying, episode 25. I'm once again joined by my co-host, Connor Edwards. Connor, you're very welcome along. Kevin, as and as always, delighted to be here. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so this episode, we catch up with Beatty Crawford and Rory Kennedy, who speak to us about you know the, the legend that was Paddy Hopkirk. And uh, we also then catch up with Johnny Greer, who looks back on his championship winning year and the down rally at the weekend, which was, you know, he's had a brilliant year. Uh, and Gordon Noble helps us to look forward to the Cork 20 this weekend. And also we're joined by Jason Dixon and Aoife Raftery, who look back on their seasons to date and, uh, you know, give us a sort of a flavour of what to expect this the rest of the year. But I suppose, first of all, we should uh, catch up with BT and Rory and hear what they have to say about the, the one and only Paddy Hopkirk. Paddy Hopkirk was a household name. He was a rally driver beyond compare. You, you know, even these younger guys coming up through, they'll never be Paddy Hopkirk as such, you know. But to be, he, he was far more than that. He was a friend to you. I uh, knew Paddy really well. Um, and I was uh, just starting off rally, rallying. He was my hero. Um, and... Uh, Jack Scott is co-driver. He was a debonair guy, and uh, I, the, the, you know, they were Mr. Rally in North Ireland. Paddy was Mr. Rally Ireland, and you know, obviously one of the best in the world. Um, and what made him such a great driver? Um, he was smart. He was quick thinker. Uh, he was very good under pressure. Um, and all those, it's it's very. I call them the complete uh, rally driver. He was brilliant at PR, and later when I got to really know him well, I found him to be a real gentleman. He never never failed to reply to an email. He always returned phone calls. He just was a lovely lovely man, and uh, all those qualities, to my mind, made him the best. Ever rally driver to come out of Ireland? Like, yeah, with plenty of doubt, you know, we we you know we think of a mini, we think of Paddy Hopkirk, we think of the Monte Carlo rally, we think of Paddy Hopkirk. You know, we, we, we can list all these achievements, but it, you know, it goes beyond his achievements, as you talk about. It, it was the man he was. It was the personality. He was so much more than just just a rally driver. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he had this marvelous knack of. Uh, been able to say the most outrageous things to people, particularly women. I mean, he, he was the original Andy Woke. 
<laughs> and, and, and he had always a smile and a you know a twinkle in his eye, and, and you you couldn't you you couldn't uh, you you couldn't uh, you, you know you couldn't hold it against you. All you could do was laugh, but he got away well. It wasn't just his age; he was always a guy. He got away with <laughs> most outrageous things, and uh, but he was a real genuine man. I mean. Um, when it came, when I started organizing, uh, I, I thought, I, I just, Patty was my hero. Yeah. And I felt that he had never been, he didn't receive the accolades he should have. I mean, he should have been knighted. You know, people yeah. who are knighted. Well, what have they done? The one, you know, they won a tennis tournament and yeah. drugs and sing a few songs and they get, uh, you know, MBEs and OBEs and knighthoods. Paddy Hopkirk put many on the map. He was, you know, mm -hmm. worth millions, if not billions and billions of pounds to, to Britain, and he got nothing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I really felt badly about this, and that's why I decided to uh, come up with the idea of the Paddy Hopkirk Gala. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting thing about the Paddy Hopkirk Gala was not just the number of people. We had 540 people came to the gala dinner. But uh, I went to various people who wanted things done. One of the things I wanted done was have clothes off to the golf place on a Saturday morning, you know. And the first thing, when I went to the officials and said, this is my idea, I would like to close off to the golf place. They looked at, looked at me as if it was crazy. And then I said, you know, it's for Patty Hopkirk. Oh, no problem. For Patty? <laughs> and this was 50 years after it won Monte Carlo Rally. And that was common theme. Yeah. It happened time after time when I was organizing the the, the Paddy Hopkirk Gala. And then just made things happen. It was it was remarkable. And that isn't that such a brilliant thing? And Rory, like you know, we all know that the name Paddy Hopkirk was synonymous. Like when did you first become aware of it? And when did you, you get the opportunity to first meet Paddy? Oh yeah, it's a it's an interesting story that um of course, Paddy, Paddy Hopkirk to me was a legendary figure, some, somebody you would read about and somebody who you sort of um, had heard of years and years ago. But there's a way out there. It was something that wasn't maybe close to us that we, somebody we knew on a, no, I had never met Paddy previous to the first um, Paddy Hopkirk week that um, Beatty organized. But nevertheless, uh, I was through a bit of work Beatty and I were doing with the Donegal Deja Vu event. And shortly after that, um, Beatty came to me and said, would I be interested in, uh, you know, partnering Paddy on the Ulster Deja Vu? And of course, I jumped at the opportunity and he ran down the phone and I said, of course, absolutely. But I just of it out. It took me quite one of a second to make my mind up. <laughs> and, and then I'm not sure it began. And of course, I had never heard of Paddy and Beatty sent me some details, email numbers and so on. And so I had a bit of contact and so on before the event. But... As Beatty said, he's an outrageous character and he's the greatest knack of getting away with saying things. And <laughs> it, was, it was just incredibly good crack, you know. And um, that's, that's how it came about. Beatty linked me up with him. And I met Patty the day before the Ulster Deja Vu at the Titanic Centre. And we immediately headed off. I, I'd never felt um, comfortable with somebody that, that, you know, so much so that we even went to the dinner, the gala dinner that night, Beatty. We had before before the event, and we chatted non-stop until the wee hours of the morning. I couldn't wait to get up the next morning because we were teaming up to go on the famous money and do all the stages around Torrey Head. And 
I think we knocked a hill climb, started reforest and all them, Beatty. So it was an incredible opportunity that Beatty created for me. And obviously, I'm very grateful for that, Beatty. Yeah, and like, uh, Beatty, going back to yourself, you know, the, you know, the, the gala that you organised in Belfast the, for the, you know, the celebration, the, the 50th celebration of Paddy One uh, Monte Carlo, like, as you say, every time you mentioned his name, another door opened. Like, that was such a, a fantastic experience. What did Paddy make of all that? Did he love the adulation well, of the... <laughs> yeah, Plum Tindall, uh, uh, you know, we said what we... Uh, the gala started with a, a gathering at Stormont, and I think we had, I don't know, 150 cars or something, and, uh, and, uh, and Plum went in with Paddy as the... He, he led the field, obviously. Uh, as uh, sort of a camera car. And Paddy had tears in his eyes when he left that start ramp. It meant so much to Paddy because Paddy always was a Northern Irish man. He never, ever forgot his roots. Never. I mean, uh, he, he would do anything for people from Northern Ireland. He, uh, Esther, my brother, you know, was a very good photographer. He uh, he persuaded uh, when they were racing at Le Mans, the, the BMC team, to bring along Esler as her official photographer because Paddy told them he was the only person could take real racing photographs. He 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 started a Toyota business with Neville Johnson and and uh, uh, Dennis Bell in Belfast and. He took Neville with him on the London London and Mexico rally as the third co-driver. And Neville Johnson wasn't known as a good rally driver. He was a brilliant driver uh, and a very good uh, all-around person to have in a car. But Paddy wanted somebody from Northern Ireland with him. He was so, he, his roots, he never, he lived in England most of his life, but he never, never forgot Northern Ireland, ever. Mm -hmm. And you know, like we this, you know, this whole idea of this podcast is, you know, to celebrate the best what this country has to offer. And he was the the forefather of that. And like Rory, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Like, you know, we've had Chris Meek, we have Craig Breen at the minute, one thing or but they never, they have never reached the the accolades that Paddy reached. Well, apparently, um, the Belfast newsletter, the front page. I didn't see it because I'm in France, but apparently the front page was devoted to Paddy. Is that correct? Did anybody see the Belfast news? Well, apparently the whole front page was devoted to Paddy. You know, that's remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. <laughs> As Chris Meek said, the piece I read, Chris said, you know, we're lucky to get mentioned in the back page of this of a, of a newspaper nowadays. You know, it's just, it, it was, uh, I can't understand why rallying has gone from being a front page story to a back page it just just defeats me why this has happened yeah and, and as well as that Peter, it's it's um it's shocking to say but i couldn't see very much of it in the southern press and I even checked on the rt website last night and I, I i'm open to correction this but i couldn't find any reference to this at all you know that that i had actually passed on but anyway on a, on a brighter note kevin i after we did the Deja Vu, Paddy sent me this book. Uh -huh. You can see it up on the right way up here. Yeah. And it's, um, it's an incredible book. It's called A Dash of the Irish by Paddy Hopkirk. Uh -huh. And pretty much that book there is an encyclopedia of Paddy's 
motorsport lifetime. You know, of all mm-hmm. the events that he's done, there's even a um, you know an index in the back of the book of all the events he's done over 50 years. And like they're as far away as New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Argentina, America. It's incredible the amount that he's done. He did nine consecutive Monte Carlo rallies from 1960 to 1969, and of course, famously winning the rally in '64. And uh, I was just looking at the spec of the, the car being upgraded for the that 1964 Monte. And some of the upgrades that it got before the rally was a two-speed wiper motor <laughs> and a wood rim steering wheel. <laughs> These were upgrades, like so. It's, you know, it's incre- it was an incredible man. And um, at the time that he and I spent together, it was virtually in a rally, even though it wasn't a rally, if you like. Yes. But uh, the two events we did together were moments to cherish. I mean. Uh, even uh, even BD, if you remember, on the Donegal days of Rupert Donna, we went and stopped at the um, location where Paddy crashed and in the 1966 Circuit of Ireland, uh, I think it was. I think it was 63 or something. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, I can't remember. Really, it could have been 66. No, there's no road. 65 or 66, I think. Yeah, was it? There and uh, interestingly enough, Terry Harriman was a co-driver then. Mm-hmm, yeah. But on, on the day, on the Donegal Deja Vu, we went there, and as you know, BD, it was a controlled area where we stopped, and all the people from that area came out to Paddy, and they almost worshipped him, I, because on that night when he crashed there, really bad accident, um, I think it's the story gets longer as the years go on, BD, I think. <laughs> there's, a bit, there's a wee bit of a myth around it that some of the local people said they spent the night, they, him and Terry spent the night in this house, and the next day, somebody came and picked up the car and took it away again. You know, but it was brilliant to go there. And the people that were there were only young children at the time. Paddy crashed, and they were able to go there and tell him, "Oh, this is what I was doing." And I remember well when he crashed and so on. But he had he, he was very generous in his time and to engage with the people in a very meaningful way. You know, so yeah. it was great to be there. You were there, baby. It was an incredible moment. I thought, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because on the on the Saturday night of that weekend, uh, Donna uh, brought one of the guys out to meet Paddy, and it was really touching to see how they met up. And the guy was telling the story of him, uh, Paddy, and Terry standing in their kitchen, and he thought he had some kind of magic jacket on that kept opening and closing with no zip or no buttons. But it was Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like so, Paddy Hopkirk. You know, he, you know, in the sixties was a hero, and you know, in the twenties, you know, sixty years later, he was still a hero. That that's the mark of the man he was, wasn't it? Absolutely, and uh, I think that was all due to his fantastic, uh, warm personality. I mean, he never. Uh, I knew when I suggested to Rory that he and Paddy would get a, that he would go with Paddy. Donegal and the Ulster Titanic event, I knew he would have a great time because I knew Paddy was so easy, to, you know, he's so easy. He just so makes you feel at ease. And it was the same with everybody in that and uh, time to spend and, you know, give autographs. He's just just a, a wonderful man, in my opinion. One of the yeah. best. One of the best. And, and even Beatty back there when we did that event, uh, what struck me on the Ulster um, Deja Vu was... Uh, he was very sharp, you know, he was very well switched on himself mentally and all, you know, even physically he was well, he was well yeah. capable of doing it. Now. And even yeah. when they're, because, because the days of these aren't speed events, you know, it's more like a tour or 
uh, I was very impressed with Paddy as a road driver. Like he was in very good road position on the road, you know. Mm. And even when he would go to overtake somebody, I used to sit there thinking, freaking hell, this man is, even as a road driver, it was an incredible driver. And I think at that point, maybe he might have been 86 years old, maybe, you know, at that yeah. time. He was starting to suffer from macular degeneration, you know, with his eyesight. And yes. That was yes. the problem they had you told most of uh, Dejavu Donna because his yeah. eyesight had begun to go pretty bad. He was had very bad That's eyesight good. in one eye. And yeah. uh, uh, it took me a wee bit of persuading him to come to Donna, uh, Donna de Dejavu because I think he was worried that he wouldn't be able to drive properly. Yeah. yeah. I suggested you drive and then um, he told me I took him back to Belfast the next day and he said they really enjoyed himself. He, he really even we remember that night in the hotel we were all sitting yes. having dinner and he was in great form. It was like he was back, you know, in the good old days and he was just one of the boys. He, yeah. No errors and graces about Paddy Hopkirk. Yeah. And even even on the way home from Donegal Deja Vu, or maybe on the way going to Donegal Deja Vu, uh, another very interesting me story was that he stopped off with Mervyn Johnson and Pettico on the way through in the lake. I'd seen that recently again, uh, BD. I thought that was a very nice touch. So, through through many men together, like our yeah. absolute many men through and through. Yeah. Same yeah. age group. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, he's a remarkable character. There's no doubt about it. Some of the wee things I've still gotten that BD from from the uh, our, our number and our names and all. And of course, still got the Donna Day from the, the day we did it. <laughs> Of course, these are, these are very, very, all these bits and pieces are very cherished. Well, they always were, but more so than I'm going to put, give you a new job. You're going to be the PR agent for Deja Vu. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much, baby. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll start wrapping up now. Like, um, I suppose, BD, probably best to ask you, how do you think Paddy would like to be remembered? I think he would like to remember just a, an ordinary man um, who was lucky enough to be able to drive cars really fast. Uh, and uh, he, he never wanted to, I mean, he could rub shoulders with the rich and famous. He could rub shoulders with anybody and, and it made everybody feel comfortable. And I think he would just like to be known as a nice man is what he was. And then I suppose, Rory, you know, turning that, uh, that question around a wee bit, how will you remember Paddy Hopkirk? Uh, well, I remember Paddy Hopkirk very, very fondly, Kevin, anyway. Uh, and I was fortunate and privileged and lucky enough to share those couple of experiences over the past few years with him. And outside of that, I've been in contact with him. We email, we have some texts and some WhatsApps and stuff going on there for the past, you know, over the past 20 years. And as, as Peter said, like Paddy was, he was very, very generous with his time. And no matter where he went, and people stopped him and asked him, "Would the mind get this photograph?" He had time to do that, you know. And I think Peter, for the short time I have known him personally, I think throughout his life, he's always had that, you know, people stopping him and photographs and autographs and all this sort of thing. But he was, he was very generous and affordable, 
with his time. And at that, that last event we had in Donegal, he was incredible then. The night before, the night after, during the event, anybody that wanted anything, Paddy was there. And I must say, he was a complete rally driver. And that book that I'm after showing you, that, The Dash of Irish, if anybody hasn't got that, and, and if anybody wants to know anything about Paddy Hopkirk, that's the book to have, because every single detail is in there of events from far and wide. And it is a very, very impressive read, I can assure you. That's interesting. It's sort of a final note. Um, he uh, sent me a text or an email about two weeks ago uh, congratulating us for donating 40,000 euros to Tralee. I mean, he had nothing to do with our event, but he took the time to send me a message to thank Plum and I for donating that money. That was just showed the character of the man. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, and, and the final word then to you, BD. How will you remember Paddy Hopkirk, your friend? Well, I remember him as a great driver. As I say, he, he, he could do anything. He raced, he auto-tested, he rallied, he rally-crossed. He, he was a man who rose to the occasion, and that's a very big part of rallying uh, or in any sport to be to rise to the occasion. So many people, when they get near winning, they have problems. And Paddy, he competed for Northern Ireland in the TV driving test one year when they were televised. And one of the tests was you had to spin inside a garage uh, with with um, wooden certain it was pretty, very tight. Mm -hmm. And it all depended on Paddy doing this, getting this uh, MG midget round one turn. Paddy rose to the occasion, did it perfectly, and Northern Ireland won. That, to me, exemplified Paddy Hopkirk. He, under pressure, he was a winner. Uh, I don't think we can say much further than that there. So, Paddy Hopkirk. Oh. Sorry, Kevin, to interrupt. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Just, just what you were saying there about what a complete driver he was in terms of racing driver, hill climber, auto tester, rally driver, the whole lot. And the index in the back of the book, like, for example, you might find always the first rally of the year is the Monte Carlo Rally. So, and every year it's almost the Monte Carlo Rally. But you might have the Monte Carlo Rally, the Sebring 12-hour race, and then you might have the Enniscary Hill Climb. Then you might have the Circuit of Munster, or the Kirkuson race, uh, race meeting. And then you might have the Lee Sophia rally. And then mm -hmm. Le Mans 24 hours, the Tulum rally. It's incredible. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the last mm -hmm. amount of events. Like. Uh, you know, that goes back to Beatty, what you had said earlier. He never forgot his roots. He was out competing across the world, but he still had time to come back home and do the events closer to home as well. Oh, I'll tell you one more story. Um, we did a PR shoot. Um, in advance of uh, the Titanic, uh, the Paddy Hopkirk Gala. Um, I heard about this uh, replica that Graham McConnell had built. So we asked Graham to bring the car up and, and we did a photo shoot with the car. And Paddy took it for a drive. And uh, he loved the car. And uh, I found out that Graham was uh, very ill from lung cancer and was interested in selling the car. So I mentioned this to Paddy, and Paddy said to me, how much does he want? And I said, that Graham, what he wanted. 
you know, he said to Patty, this is much. He said, done. No quibbling. All right. He bought the car. Now, he didn't buy the car as an investment. He used that car for charity events in England, okay, to make money for other charities. He wanted to have a, a perfect replica of the Monday winning car. Then uh, Graham died a few months later, and Paddy came over for Graham's funeral. Yeah. That, that typifies the, the, the man who always was looking out for other people. So once again, I'd like to pass on my condolences on behalf of Mr. Connor and myself to the Hopkirk family, and may Paddy Hopkirk rest in peace. Uh, we'll just catch up with now Johnny Greer and get his views on the Northern Ireland Championship this year and his victory on the down run. So, Johnny, uh, third time Northern Ireland champion, uh, four ones from five starts this year in the Northern Ireland Championship. It's been a great year for you. Yeah, it has. We, we had probably a better year than we were expecting, sort of from the start, but you know, everything just got off on the right foot with the, the two wins in Curtis and I don't know. In Bishop's Court, and that kind of just set up the the year going forward. And uh, luckily, we were able to sort of carry the momentum forward in into the rest of the rounds. And and yeah, everything worked really well. Um, I think the second, you know, I'd never done the two seasons back to back in the Northern Ireland Championship before. So going back again, to sort of defend the championship was another probably another thing to think about. But yeah, everything just. Everything just went from from the first round and just carried on, and then uh, it all it all worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. And like you know, with COVID and everything else, this is the first year that we've really seen the benefit of the splitting of the the Northern Ireland Championship into Tarmac and Gravel. Like it seems to definitely reinvigorated the Tarmac champion, the Tarmac side of the championship. You know, there's been full entries. You know, brilliant events. It's it's great to see. Yeah, the, the entries the entries have been very strong all year. I think, as you say, coming back sort of properly from from the restrictions made a big difference. You know, in twenty one, we had to do a lot of sort of uh, well, how would you say we had to do a lot of sort of betting in events, you know, to try and get rallying up and going again. I think that was un- understood by everybody that was going to be a slow process. But this year probably was the first year where it was back to what you would say normal. So I think the the strong entries in the championship and everything else throughout the year is just uh, I think it validated the the organisers' decision to go this way with it. Yeah, and you know, and and the entry, you know, at the quality of entry, you know, likes of yourselves supported the championship very well. Catherine McCourt, you know, Derek McGarty, you, you know, every event has been there. Has, it hasn't been a foregone conclusion. It's like there's four or five, maybe even sometimes six guys there. It's going there with the the possibility of winning the rally. Yeah, I think that that helps the championship too. You know, the fact that it it, it has been so competitive. Um, you know, it's given you a different. There's, we've had sort of different people come in and out throughout the year in the different rounds, so it's always give you something to think about when there's new people coming in from different championships and in, in to race. So it's it has been good. It has been a strong year, and I think that's a good thing for the Northern Ireland Championship. It's hopefully something that can build on now to go forward in the twenty twenty three. You know, with hopefully I'll continue until then. But um, yeah, I think it has been, it has been good. I think the season ending a bit earlier is maybe not a bad thing, and it sort of compressed the challenge a bit more. So yeah, it seems to have, it all seems to have worked. So hopefully, hopefully this momentum continues and for another year then. Yeah, and like at the weekend with the down rally there, and we've seen the some of the UK tarmac guys over from the pro t- pro tire championship, and like they all seem to love it. So. 
that might encourage some of them guys to maybe come over and sample a couple, a few more events next year. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, getting the guys over here to see what the rallying over here is all about is is obviously good for for everyone. You know, I think okay, a few of the guys in, in the Pro Tire Championship have been to the Down Rally before when it was a previous rounds uh, in twenty nineteen. But I think the I think yeah, I think everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. You know, it's it's like um, you have to come over and experience sort of the Irish rally. It's slightly different than than rallying in, in GB. It's it's slightly uh, slightly different sort of atmosphere. So I think it's good that the guys come over and, and see that firsthand, and yeah, hopefully see them back again soon. Mm-hmm. And like you know, the, you know the quality of the, the the road stages this year has been you know very high. You know we're thinking Maiden City, Tyrone, and the Down. Like uh, probably down has become almost the, the jewel of the Northern Ireland Championship. Like, you know, this year in particular, Lisburn, the, the council there, the city council took it on board and had, you know, in the, the chambers and the big screen outside, uh, you know, the service area in the middle of the town, you know, all the young things there. It's really bringing rally into the people as well. Yeah, I think uh, obviously I've got a, a fairly biased view on the down rally but the yeah I think the the championship the, the it was good for the championship the, to end the season there I mean the guys have really took have really took the the run of the rally and sort of it's built on it year on year um I think maybe probably the biggest surprise this year was the obviously the change of service area the slight change of venue you know brought a lot of different problems and and uh, potential problems with it but the, the council, I mean, the the, um, the Lisburn City Council really embraced the, the whole thing, which was quite a, you never really know how these things are going to land when you propose them, but they did, they really took it on board and they couldn't have done enough for you. I think it was it was probably a surprise from, from all of us that it was so well received. But I think that's, you know, we have sort of talked about before and, and you know, the motorsport has to, it, it sort of has to go to where the people are. You, you know, it has to, it has to get people involved in the sport and you're you're not going to get people involved when the rally's away out somewhere where nobody knows what's going on or what's happening. I, I know bring it, as you say, bring it down to the city centres cause, cause other issues. Of course they do, but I think it's good to see people that haven't been there before come to see a rally or see rally cars driving about it. It, it sparks an interest with people. So as long as it's all good fun and, and good natured, I, I don't see any problem with it, but it's just, it is a lot to take on for any club. It's a big, it's a big risk to mm-hmm. to to put themselves forward for that. But I'm really glad that it worked out. It, you know, it was a very good atmosphere. I thought through the whole event. Um, you know, the service here was 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 fantastic too. So I think it, I think it all worked, and mm-hmm. hopefully it, it'll be a bit of a hopefully it'll be a bit of a plan going forward. Now there's maybe sort of more rides who come on board, and maybe do something similar. I guess, like you know, we landed up there Saturday morning, right from the officials out at the you know for the service in the area was helping us, you know, telling us where to get parked, uh, walking in then to you know to get signed on. One thing, everybody was so welcome, even out on the stages, the officials, the marshals, everybody. It was just you know you just knew this was a rally run by people who wanted the best for the event, and you know for everyone involved. That was a you know like the weather may have been a wee bit damp, but it didn't dump in the enthusiasm of the officials and everybody in the marshals and all out there. Yeah, so you can't uh, you can't do much about the weather, unfortunately. You can't plan for it, but that just that is what it is. But yeah, I think the the good thing is the the the, 
the clubs have managed to pull together and, and get people from all sorts of different, you know, sort of people who've competed before, people who are currently competing, people who hope to compete someday. And they've managed to sort of drag all those people together with a common a common goal, a common interest. And, and I think it does reflect in the in the rally, the fact that you're, you're you're dealing with people who are sort of enthusiastic and want and want the rally to be to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as you say, that just uh, it's quite once you have the people at the top of the at the top of the organizing tree who are thinking that way and are pushing everything forward. I think it does filter down right down to the right down to the guys on the on the ground on the you know on the stages. The guys mm-hmm. feel that and they know that it's, it's something you're trying to build. And I think it uh, yeah it does it it does work. I think it's great to bring people in that maybe haven't been to an event before in, a, in an organizing capacity and get them in. You know, we've had the Down Rally had a few people who it was their f- sort of the first time on that organizational side. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it all worked well. And it, it seemed to be, it seemed to have a great, uh, a great sort of, I say a common goal. And it seemed everyone was pulling in the same direction. Excellent, excellent. And then for your own point of view, like, you know, doing the reggae last week, the weather was, you know, reasonably fine. And then, you know, pulling back the curtain Saturday morning, you know, to be greeted by the damp conditions. Did it leave you then, you know, does that put a different slant on it? Because you're kind of, your Ricky had been in the dry, you, you know, you're starting to wonder where's the shiny tower going to be? Is there going to be standing water? Does it, does it change your game plan for the day or did you still go back at it? Did you stick to the original plan? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we knew there was rain coming, you know, at, at the weekend, there was a good chance there'd be rain at some stage, sort of towards the end of the week, that was the way it was all looking. I think probably on Friday night, I was sort of hoping that it would be wet the next day because I thought that would make it probably a bit more consistent. Um, I was sort of hoping that it would be wet in the morning and not dry and then rain sort of halfway through your first loop. Mm-hmm. So when I seen it was wet on on Saturday morning, I was actually quite happy with that because it meant that the rain that was forecast to arrive at some stage had already arrived before we'd done anything. So um, yeah, I think I was quite fortunate you know, I've done a couple of the stages previous years, and uh, and one of the one of the previous years in the down rally, the, the Hamlin's Folly stage, I actually wrecked it in the wet. So I had all the shiny tar and all from the previous notes marked, which was a big advantage because I seen none of it on the Friday when it was dry. <laughs> I missed missed every single one of them, and then when when it rained, obviously the the notes had them in anyway. But uh, so that was a big that was a big advantage on my side. Um, okay, a couple of the stages were. Slightly, that was Palms Folly is probably the only real stage where that was a that was a problem. But uh, the the second stage had been resurfaced from we had done it in the circuit in 2016. But between then it had been resurfaced, so nobody knew exactly how good or how bad the grip was going to be. So that was probably the most the most stressful stage of the of the event was getting in the stage two and seeing what was what was coming. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, everything else everything else was was fairly straightforward. The conditions made it very tricky because it was. Going wet and dry all, yes, all day really. Mm-hmm. So, but um, no, we're quite fortunate that we got all the tar calls right, and that made life a whole lot easier then because <laughs> it would have been different if you were stuck out in slicks and the rain was coming. That would have made it very difficult for That's us. Yeah. But for what we're trying to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know you mentioned the stages there. You know you had Buck's Head, you had Hamilton's Folly. You know the you know stages that would stand the test for you know any anywhere in the world. And then the, you know the club introduced the, the two new stages back in 2018, I think it was. And, you know, they have become, uh, you know, very strong stages as well. Uh, it's great to be always bringing in new stages as well. It's not just relying on the old favourites as well. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think it has to be a bit of variation. Um, 
you know, I think the there's there is certain events you go to now where it is the same stages over and over and over again for the last 20, 30 years. And I think that it's nice to have a bit of variation in a rally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard it's hard to do from an organization point of view because starting off with a fresh a fresh stage and a fresh plan of where it's gonna go and having to do all your PR for the residents and all those sort of things is a lot of work involved. But I think the the down rally have really done a good job of going finding two completely new stages and then you know pulling like of Hamilton's Folly and Buck's head together from previous events and making it making it all work together, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, so you know, you start Saturday morning, you have the right tires on. Do you drive with the intention of going out there to win the rally, or is the championship in the back of your mind as well? Or, you know, what's your approach there? Uh, at the time, you were sort of caught, caught between two options, but I think uh, realistically, what was decided on was just basically we would just do our own thing um, and sort of chips would fall where they may, sort of thing, you know. The I think by going too much looking at just purely championship was going to be probably not the right way to go because you would probably be too cautious and not really. It's one of those scenarios when you when you're trying to finish is the day you probably won't finish. You know, it's one of those things that it just you tense up and everything just becomes so much more difficult. So, sort of thought about both options and then realistically the the plan was just to go and do your own thing on the first couple of stages, see where we end up, if we're going to be on the pace or where we're going to be, and then go from there and make a plan mm-hmm. from there. Extremely lucky that the first stage was was quite, was very clean and the time was good. And then that just, that just kind of set the rhythm for the day because it's very hard for me anyway to find, I, you know, I can't really say we're going to go in here and push. We're going to go in here and go easy. I can't really, I don't, I'm not really, uh, <laughs> I'm not really capable of that one. So it just it's kind of you just kinda of go into the stage, drive your stage and you come to the end and you look at the time and that's where that's where you go. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what we did. And the time the time was competitive and I was like, okay, well that's that's the plan for the rest of the day then. Just keep doing what we're just sort of worry about ourselves. Don't worry about where we are as much in the rally. Don't worry about the championship. Just just keep plugging along. Just do what we're doing and mm-hmm. see where we end up. And that's kind of obviously some of the stages later on in the day when it got quite tricky um that was maybe a different mindset because obviously you didn't want to take massive risks where it was a bit shiny or a bit muddy or gravelly and stuff like that but mm-hmm. apart from that it was just sort of relax and, and just enjoy the event from there on you know yeah and like you know to then to get to the finish and you know spray that champagne outside the you know the civic center there in lisburn a great feeling then to cap off the championship yeah it was yeah i mean the the to, to end the, the rally or the end of the championship on the home rally with a rally we were involved in, it was, it was, it was special. You know, it just um, he obviously looked at the the when the calendar came out and you looked at the date and you seen that was going to be the last event. It obviously your head went to the place where you sort of think, well, if we could get in the position to win the championship and win it on the last event and win, that would be fantastic. But then you had to reel the ball back in again and sort of <laughs> think, well, that's you know that's you know dreaming about it. it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> so it's just. Uh, it was just kind of a thing of let's just so uh, the whole way through the rally I wasn't really that wasn't really on my mind it was just kind of just go from stage to stage and just you know if you go from the stage and you get you get a competitive time in the stage you'll end up in a competitive result in the rally and if you have a competitive result you win the championship so just just one step at a time very much mm-hmm. um, so then when it all came together and you sort of come off the last stage that's when you kind of like 
sort of on the way back, you sort of thought, oh, this is this is quite cool. <laughs> you know, but but uh, you had to sort of keep that whole thing under wraps for the for the event because it was just it was just another distraction, really. Yeah, I, but, you, had, um, you didn't want to be thinking about it. You had to be thinking what's in front of you at this particular time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 happening. You know, rallying's a difficult sport, and and anything can really happen in it. You know, it can mm-hmm. be. It can be a mechanical problem. It could be something completely strange can happen, and you'll not finish the event. You know, so it's it's the sort of thing you never really, you never really, uh, you never really count it as anything until you're back in the service area, until you're through the last control, and that's it finished. Uh-huh. You know, so that's kind of where you get the uh, where you sort of just go from point to point, and then when once you get to the end, you can sort of then yes. take stock of what's happened. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was it, it's something I'll probably never forget. You know having that sort of the win on that rally with 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 you know sort of so close to home and everything else so yeah it's it's uh probably still hasn't really sunk in yet but it, it will eventually excellent, excellent. and then you know uh going forward now for the rest of the year if you have any plans would you like to go and try a couple of the gravel rounds or do you see yourself maybe doing something different yeah i haven't really haven't really made a plan yet um obviously we'd looked at cork which is this weekend but decided against it just because of it was too close really to the down rally and, and everything else. It just, we just decided not to, not to try and complicate things any more than it had to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously the Ulster would be, a, would be one we're looking at. The, the last one of the Tarmac Championship and it being a sort of a home rally as well. So we've looked at a few different things, but realistically we can just sort of relax now and pick and choose a few events that we want to go and do. And as I say, maybe we'd like to go back on the gravel at some stage. I haven't been on gravel for uh, probably three years now. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at a few events probably between here and, and back over in, in GB and stuff and trying to make a plan of where, where I want to go. But yeah, just uh, just go out and take a few take a few weeks now just to relax and then pick a few rallies and just go out and enjoy ourselves. Lovely to catch up with uh, Johnny once again and another win. Like, you know, the man is talented and has no issue just clocking up those wins. And again, change of co-driver, you know, Kirsty still... Not in the hot seat at the moment this year, and uh, you know it's not phasing Johnny. No, not that you know, like that, that's you know two championships on the bounce, and as he mentioned there, one on the, the championship in his own home rally, the Down Rally, sponsored by you know the the company and everyone else too. It's just uh, it's just a lovely story, it really is, you know. But like, what a fantastic rally, Connor. Me and yourself were up at the rally, and brilliant event. Absolutely brilliant event, very enjoyable day out, a lovely rally to watch or to follow. And, uh, you know, one of my favourite stages, Hamilton Folly. Um, just, ah, oh, it's, you know, we drove the stage ourselves that morning. It's tight, it's twisty, it's tricky, it's full of fantastic jumps. It's a photographer's dream. And I just love watching the in-car footage from that stage. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you can see why the ERC guys at the time at the Circuit Ireland you know, loved the stage. You know, remember Cato talking about having hair standing up in the back of his, uh, his arm, you know, coming off the stage. It's just, it has everything. It really has. It really is one of the true classics of Irish Rally. It certainly is. And again, you know, the two motor clubs coming together, that's a well-run, slick rally you know and any year i've been to it it's been fantastic to to attend runs on time no problems no issues you know and again they've great pr with the local residents there as well to you know to run those stages year after year yeah and like you know the residents you know we spoke to a few residents there from Warren, and like you know they're delighted to see the event there as well too so like you know as you say that that has to be positive for the club as well too and like yeah. and and the action on the stages you know like johnny was sublime Catherine McCourt. 
But I think the one man that stood out for both of us was William Crichton. Absolutely. Absolutely. Friend of the show. Um, <laughs> and it's not the only reason we're mentioning him, but gee, what a drive taking the Rally 4 Fiesta and, you know. A Rally 3 Fiesta. Apologies, apologies. Yeah. The Rally 3 Fiesta, actually, yep. Yeah. Um, and again, you could see the difference, the experience he's gaining on the international stages is making. You know, you and I looked at and we watched and we talked about the lines and, and the difference in, in his approach to some of the, the, the bends and, and the corners and the jumps compared to the other competitors. And, you know, his experience is really starting to come through. I, I am looking forward to six or seven years down the line when, you know, William is full time looking at the ITRC you know, mm-hmm. for, for a full championship to see what where, where, where he ends up in that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, like, the more I see of this wee rally three fiesta, the more I'm raving about it. Like, the way it handles the jump, the way it carries the speed. Yeah, I know William's a class act, but it's a class wee car. It really is. Yeah, I know. It's a brilliant car. Like, genuinely ran faultless from what we could see. Um, not an issue with it. And, uh, you know, again, well piloted, but you know a car that was well set up for the Irish roads, which can be tricky enough, absolutely. you know, to get the, the setup right for for the tarmac here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we should also mention Jason Mitchell too, who you know has finally, hopefully, you know, maybe turned a wee bit of a corner on the tarmac. Uh, he set fastest time on on the very last stage, but also you know the times were more competitive. Brilliant to see, and I'm delighted for Jason. You know, he's put a lot of work into his rally. He loves the rally gravel, but you know. Fingers crossed now that the things are starting to become go the right way for him in the tower because he's such a likeable man. Absolutely. It was a fine fourth place for himself and Paddy McCrudden. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought they had a great event. I thought they did very, very well. Yeah. And again, brought it home in front of William and weren't too far behind Cahan McCourt. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like going by social media, you know, the guys over from the Pro Tire uh, British Tarmite Championship. They all love the event, you know, and again, you know, what a wonder for Irish Rally and, you know, the, the fantastic stages. The weather wasn't the most pleasant, but it didn't seem to deter anybody. Everybody just seemed to really take to the event and really enjoy it. It's brilliant to see. Absolutely. The, you know, the weather wasn't great in the morning, didn't cause any major issues and did, certainly didn't seem to put anybody off. So, uh, you know, this, despite the inclement conditions, it was a well-run, well-attended rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Damien Toner taking the two wheel drive as well. Like Damien always goes hard, and you know everywhere we seen him, he was full commitment. <laughs> There's no no two ways looking at it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, he was a joy to watch. And you know where we were, you know at several jumps, certainly was impressive. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. That is for sure. And you know, right down throughout the field, you know there was real good battles and real, you know, the standard machinery is brilliant to see that. Like Northern Ireland Championship has let, raised the bar this year. Great to see. And and you know, as mentioned there, you know, these British guys coming over, nice to see a wee bit of variety, and hopefully maybe get a few of them back again at some point. You know, as well. Fingers crossed. You know, as you mentioned, it's a great showcase of of the rallying that we have over here. And you're right. You know, the the Northern Ireland Championship has lifted the bar this year. It's been really incredible and a joy to to follow. And again, that mix of competition from throughout the island, you know, and then throw in some of our UK competitors uh, just for that extra added oomph of competition. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they go home and they rave about the, you know, the well-run rallies and the the quality of the stages. And we see more of them back here next year. Hopefully now that will be it. And then, you know, a little closer to home, then Cork is on this, Cork 20 is on this weekend. You know, the resumption of the, the, the Tarmac Championship. Um, you, know, you know, Josh has had a, a fantastic year so far, himself and Andy. 
you know, will they be able to continue that run of form? But, uh, you know, it's going to be a fascinating battle once again. I think it's going to be extremely interesting. We've Callum returns after the, you know, his unfortunate retirement in Donegal, you know, point to prove, um, having led Donegal and had a fantastic fight with Matt Edwards there. Um, Alistair Fisher, again, you know, looking for that win. And then we have Josh looking to, you know, get as close to sealing the ITRC championship for himself as possible. Yeah. And like, you know, Marion Evans as well, too. Like, Marion can't be discounted. He had a fantastic run in Cork last year. And, you know, every event now, you know, Donegal in particular, he, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was just nipping their heels as well, too. So, you know, sooner or later, that's going to come good. Absolutely. And you're right, Cork is, a, you know, it's a, it seems to be a set of stages down there that, that seem to suit Marion's style. So uh, it will be interesting to watch. And again, you know, we have a possibility for mixed weather conditions again this weekend. So that could throw something into the, you know, the results as well. Yeah, like you know, when the, like Desi Henry uh, coming back to the tournament championship this weekend again as well. Like we, you know, we think of him and the circuit Aaron, like, you know, he was fabulous to watch there. So, you know, it's once again, you know, we're, we know we're talking probably tenths a second, a second here. It's, uh, you know, every show in this year, we keep talking about it, but it is, you know, it's fabulous. It is. It's been phenomenally close. Really, like you know, it, it, it's not, as you say, it's tens of seconds, you know, in the battles on the stages. And it is, it, it's nip and tuck the whole way and some fantastic fights, you know, not just for first and second place, but right through the top 10. Yeah, and beyond, you know, like and into the modified, into the, absolutely. You know, the, the rally four guys, into the, even into the juniors, everything. You know, it, it's a, such a great showcase this year. Um, there's been other years, you know, there's been a tight battle at the top, but maybe the lesser or the other categories is maybe lesser supported. But this mm-hmm. year, it's, you know, the, the competition's running right down throughout the field, which is brilliant to see. It is, and uh, long may continue. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and we should uh, mention on a side note, uh, the Down Rally, um, we were approached by a uh, uh, father and his three sons, and uh, what a lovely story they had, wasn't it, Connor? It was indeed. No, it was, it was lovely to be introduced to them, and then they, they had recognised ourselves from the podcast and come up to say hello, and great to get talking to the kids. And, you know, the, the kids were excited about Rally and were out, making videos and they have their own YouTube channel, um, EJB videos. And I thought that uh, a very interesting coincidence on the day that we heard that Paddy Hopkirk had passed away, um, you know, the number plate on the mini was EJB. Yeah. You know, I just thought, just seemed, seemed a strange coincidence. Yeah, I and like, you know, uh, a father and these young guys, I think the oldest ones would be only 14 or 15. And they're out, there, yeah. they're out there making videos, uploading them to YouTube. So, yeah. you know, recommend anybody to go and take a wee look. It's EGB Rally videos, I think. It's, they've gone there on YouTube. Uh, well worth catching up with. You know, they've caught some great footage there this year. They've been to the circuit, Donegal, and Down. Uh, so there's a few other events there as well, too. So well worth catching up with that. Um, but without further ado, I think we'll cut over now to Gordon Noble and get his thoughts ahead of Cork 20 this weekend. So, Gordon, we just took a wee quick look back at the season before, you know, we get into what's coming up. Um, at the start of the season, just, we're just, post that just that wee fraction off the pace. But the two just worked very hard. And then, you know, we've seen it on the second day of the Circuit Ireland. Something clicked. It must be a great feeling when all that comes together. Ah, it is, Kevin. It's hard to describe the buzz you get whenever everything does work um, correctly and, and the way you had planned it to be. 
it was the start of the year, as in the first few rallies, always on the first day, we were a wee bit off the sort of pace and slow to get uh, slow to get speed, speeded up. In Galway, we got our speed up. Reason and west to west Cork, we got reasonably good speed in the second day as well. But as you say the circuit on the second day, um, without any particular major change or drama or anything else, we didn't change the pace notes. There was a few minor suspension settings with the, with the car that were were made, but just a bit slightly more relaxed, I would say, attitude and a bit more uh, attack and a bit more aggression. Um, I think the fact that the roads were dry and we had a, a consistent grip made it easier to work like that. As you say, whenever it works, it's brilliant. Whenever it doesn't work, it's the most frustrating thing ever because you, you, you're only looking for very, very small margins. You're only looking for three seconds per sort of stage and things like that. And that's the margin that's been between the front runners and the sort of tarmite tar, tar challenge for, for the year. So. Uh, it's been good. It's been it's been busy, but um, hopefully it's all going to be positive for us toward towards the end. Because ah, like you know, as you say, like you know, it's you know, like three seconds of stage is a blink of an eye. It's, you know, it's a you know, it's a half spin. Or it's even just like it's it's a nothing. Like it shows the competitiveness of the Tarmite Championship this year that rallies are decided by such minor indiscretions. Nearly, you're not even indiscretion, really. You know, <laughs> exactly right. I mean, the the the, the stage times between. Not just the four of us that are left in contention of the championship, but there's been quite a few other guys. I mean, obviously, Josh has been getting away with plenty and winning plenty, and, and fair play to him for doing that. He's getting the, a lot of things are working. Uh, Callum, uh, Callum Devine has shown, shown his speed again. Marion Evans has been of a, a new revelation in the speed he's been going and the results he's got. But there's quite a few other guys as well. I mean, Cahan, uh, McCourt has been setting some very good times, but a bit like us, hasn't got the, the uh, results to actually show, show for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Desi Henry's another man is on that cork uh, entry list anytime Desi was out he's been going fast mm-hmm. but I, I like a, a number of other drivers hasn't got results which are you know which show the sort of speed he's been going yeah. um, mainly I think Desi's had quite a few mechanical issues and so on mm-hmm. um, Young Cronin Daniel um, you know is another fast guy who's going to be there in, in the mix when we come, come come to cork but as you say in terms of it's only very minor Issues, puncture, spins, that sort of stuff, which has dropped you from a reasonable result into a good, a good result or even a winning one. So, it's better for the championship. Is better for us. All the competitors have to be super attentive, you know, and make and, and work work hard. I'm sure it's good for the spectators and everybody else as well that it is a, a very very close race rather than somebody running away with it. Absolutely, you know, because it, like it's it's nail biting. You're you know you're watching them results come in. You know you're tuning into Killian or you're on the ditches or whatever. And it, it is it's just you know it's it, it's it's mesmerising to watch and it's great to see Irish rallying in such a positive way. Ah, absolutely, and I think it's good for as you say, it's good for the sport in general. It's good for us. It keeps us on our on our sort of sort of toes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, it's good for everybody, I think, as long as we can keep it like that. And there's, you know, as I say, there's plenty of other drivers here, yeah. round and about, and maybe haven't been doing some of the, and so many of those rallies could come back into in, into the sort of mix. Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting to see the uh, McHale's back, back out. Um, Gareth had a good run a couple yeah. of weeks over there. Um, finished, yeah, finished, finished, finished second. So he seems to be getting the hang of that, the hang of that uh, mm-hmm. uh, car as well. And another man that could be in the sort of mix, sure. not maybe for this rally, but for next year again. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, we're the merrier. Are we going into Cork now this weekend, Cork 20 rally? And it's normally traditionally uh, sort of October time, but the maybe the wee bit earlier, warmer temperature, hopefully drier conditions, but we can't be sure of that. Will that change the characteristics of the roads in Cork? Or 
Yeah, well, I mean, um, Cork roads are always good and it's always a very well organised rally. I must, I must give them credit for that. And again, that this year from the pre-event paperwork, it gives you a lot of confidence going down there that it is going to be a very well run, uh, well run rally. In terms of the weather, that's something that, you know, we live in, live in Ireland and we never can predict what's going to happen. But for sure, you have a better chance of having a dry a dry rally. rally. Uh, some of the roads they use in Cork, some of them are slightly mountainous and some of them are more farming uh, farming roads. I think they are. And for sure, when it's dry, there's more grip and the consistency is better. Uh, it may change the character of, of, of the rally in ways that, you know, that you would in previous years in October, you would have often got damp, cold, cold days, which changes the sort of grip level and maybe your your attitude. But, you know, a bit like Galway, as you know, it's been, uh, notoriously at the start of the year, it's difficult to find grip in the sweat. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. I think it'll give the rally an extra bit of bit of a buzz, you know, and, and um, the more people that are down there supporting it, the better. Because, I mean, it has been over the years, all the years I've been rallying down there, it's been always been a very well-run, very well-run run rally. But unfortunately, as the final round of that, Championship very often it uh, didn't get the quality of the entry that it probably deserved, you know, because people had decided that their championship was over, and there was no real, no real point in going. Yeah. And then um, you know, well, you know, looking sort of beyond the Ulster, the or sort of beyond Cork to the Ulster, which is a two-day rally, and it's going to be at two rounds, each day counting as a round of the championship. So that in itself will also add an extra dimension to the championship this year. Uh, it does. It does add a completely different uh, dimension and a slightly, completely different, uh, different focus. Because remember, you can get more points for finishing fourth on the Ulster than you can for actually winning Donegal or West Cork or kind of Circuit. So it does change your attitude and your uh, approach to that. And it does mean the championship is definitely open until even until the sort of second day. Even if you know, no matter who wins Cork, and no matter, um, the championship still can't. Well, right now. Not no matter who wins, but there are scenarios where the championship could be wrapped up in court. Um, Josh could actually take it if, if ourselves and Callum and Marion didn't act, actually finish. It could be wrapped up, but it does keep it open. And even until the second day of Ulster, there's still points um, for for grabs, which will be over even on Friday, Friday night. Um, so that'll definitely keep it interesting. But um, yeah. everybody has their own opinion about whether you score. Uh, how you should score the, the actual championship, but I think it's good that it keeps it keeps it alive. But it does put a lot of emphasis on onto a particularly short day on Ulster on the Friday when it was only twenty odd mi- twenty five miles maybe, and you yeah. you know you get quite a lot of points for that. But but um, you know in them twenty five miles, there's going to be a night stage, which you know adds an, an extra dimension as well too. Which is you know it's been a few years since been night stages here in Ireland. Be great to see what's that feeling like. Awesome, but like whenever rallying goes well and whenever it goes good, and night stages is absolutely the most fantastic buzz for a guy who's brought up using doing navigation rallies 20 or 30 years ago. I quite enjoy that uh, challenge, but it's a bit different. You, you, you're, you know, you have to be familiar with the car and all the bits around you because there's darkness in there. Um, your pace notes have to be quite accurate as well because you don't see a couple of hundred meters ahead, you don't necessarily see the lines of the hedges and that sort of stuff. So, you know, be, from the driver point of view, your deaf the driver relies on you very heavily to have the notes correct and accurate at the right right time because he can't he can't see that extra couple of hundred meters ahead. Mm-hmm. Different different challenge when it goes well, it's like everything. The buzz is fantastic, but again, a small glitch in pace notes or spotlight setup or those type of things could end up hemorrhaging time quite quickly. But I believe on the Ulster, the stage one 
is only six or seven miles and then there's a long stage and then you go back and in the darkness you you, you repeat that short, shorter stage of six or seven miles or something like that. So, um, and from a temperature point, point of view, the, the, a small difference in there could end up giving you a big difference in terms of points. So we mm-hmm. um, have to make sure we have everything right for that. That's for sure. That is for sure. And, and we, back to the Ulster, again, the Ulster was a, was one of the traditional rallies that did run night time, yeah. nighttime stages. It traditionally had the Friday afternoon or Friday evening run into, into the dark uh-huh. and you had a proper day's rally on Saturday. So it's good to get that back. As you say, it's a while since it happened. And mm-hmm. um, it was difficult for orga- organisers. They have a, a, a bit more emphasis to try and track cars and keep eyes on the eye and things. But yeah. it's good to create, create a buzz. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, you know, going into the event, you said, you know, like the different scenarios with the championship and one thing and another. Is, is there a game plan or is it just go and, you know, after the first stage, reassess things we have, or flat out? Our, <laughs> or where, where do you go? <laughs> the game plan as far as the championship is concerned is that um, we have to we have have to keep keep winning. Um, so there's no real game plan. We just have to go as fast as we can for as long as we can. Um, the scenario is if Josh should, should win Cork, I think the championship is kind of out of the hands of both Cal, Callum and us. And Callum's very much in this exactly the same position as us. And both of us have one win and two and two second uh, second places so far. Uh, and we're rel- both crews are relying on Cork and then Ulster to um, co- consolidate whatever score we have. Um, so Josh has the points earned. He has them there. He has he has, he has them bad. Both Callum and us have to try and. Um, do do the job later in the start of the season, and not don't don't rule out Mary and Evans as well. Um, if he if he could put in strong performances and win Cork and Ulster, um, mathematically he could still win actual championship. So um, that's a, definitely a four way a four way battle there. But back to the the attitude is we're going to have to go as hard as we can for as long as we can. <laughs> Well, you know, you can't say much more than that. So, Gordon, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Catch up again. So lovely there to catch up with Gordon and wishing himself, Alistair, and all the top crews and all the crews even that month uh, a successful and safe weekend in Cork. And also caught up with Jason Dixon and the Rally 4 Fiesta ahead of the weekend. Like, you know, these Rally 4 guys, <laughs> as they're fighting over tenths of a second the same as the overall battles. There are some phenomenal battles there too as well, Connor. Absolutely. Look, their rallying is just as intense and just as meaningful as, as the leaders. You know, at the end of the day, they're out for class victories in their own championship. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they really are giving it hell for leather on those stages. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, like they're, you know, the, you know they're, to them, one in their class is as good as one in the rally to them. So, you know, without further ado, we'll cut over and get Jason's thoughts. Jason, I suppose, like with uh, Rallying has been in the blood in your family, you know, your great uncle Ashley Armstrong, like was one of the, the guys to do the very first Donegal Rally back in 1971-72, and then your dad and your two brothers, like it's such a strong heritage in your family, was Rallying always going to be your thing? Yeah, I think it was, um, as you say, Ashley Armstrong, which would be my great uncle, uh, he would have been high, uh, rallying at a high level back in the 60s and 70s. Um, I think he actually finished seventh overall in Donegal for the first year at Ram, um, which would have been a big achievement back then, uh, saying how big a rally it was. Uh, Dad then would have started rallying in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, 
he he rallied he rallied at a high enough level back then at a clubman level. Um, he would have he would have got good results back then and the likes of a sunbeam, sixteen hundred sunbeam. Uh, and then he, he stopped rallying then um, whenever he uh, whenever the children started to come along and uh, <laughs> and mum started putting the foot down. So, uh, <laughs> but then he got back into it. Then I think it was two thousand and ten or eleven, maybe uh-huh. he bought an Evo again, and uh, he, he's been rallying ever since then. So he has. Yes, and then you just all get pulled in along as well. Um, you know, there's yourself and the two brothers. Like it's such an achievement. Four cars coming out of the one household. It must be a busy house yeah. at times. <laughs> Very busy house. Uh, not only we rallying, but we have the the business obviously, and then we have a, a family farm at home. So look, there's never a, a dull moment about our house. Um, I suppose we started in car racing whenever uh, we would have been the age to car racing. I think it was eight back then. So dad would have pushed us pushed us that direction, and we started off with uh, with car racing, and then obviously developed then and to rally in whenever we got the license. Excellent, excellent. And, the, you know, over the last few years, you've been mixing up gravel and tar. Have you have preference or you're happy in either surface? Probably whenever we started. Um, I think we were all started on the on the gravel, the Valvoline Championship. Um, Steve and Ian would have both done, done tarmac whenever they started, but... I started and I just stuck to gravel. Uh, I got my chance then in 2019, I think it was, to go to tarmac. Always wanted to try tarmac. And just loved it as soon as I got onto the tarmac. Uh, I'd probably prefer tarmac uh, over over gravel. But look, I like gravel. I just like driving. I don't mind what it's on. But, <laughs> so um, it's an no. engine, you're up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So no, I, I, definitely, I definitely probably wouldn't prefer uh, tarmac, but... Especially doing the, the likes of the Irish Starmac Championship with them big rallies, you know it's it is unbelievable to do some of them classic stages. Um, you know, in Donegal or Coatarney, they're all class stages. So there, uh-huh. I you know you know we think of West Cork, you know we think of Ring, we think of you know Killarney, Moles Gap, Donegal, and all that. You know, like you, you would travel far to to get to compete in classic stages like that far, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. As I say, this was my first year doing the, the full Irish Tarmac Championship. I'd done a couple of rounds. Um, it was it 2019? I'd done Cork 20. And then uh, 2020, I started with Galway. But this would have been the first year doing the whole championship. First year doing them big iconic rallies like um, West Cork, Killarney and Donegal. Um, and it, it is just something else to um, to drive them stages. And then, you know, like the championship so far, like, you know, you had ones in Killarney and a one in Donegal as well in the, in the class. Like that sets you in a good place then going into the final three rounds. Well, you know, uh, you know, people looking at it on paper probably think two rounds, but Ulster being split over two rounds, it, it leaves it all yeah. to play for this year, doesn't it? It does. We we probably had a, we did have a bad start to the year. Um, we were unlucky and in Galway, we started off the, the year racing. Eamon came to Galway, and we were racing him. Um, he went off on the, I think it was the second stage, and we we were leading the rally up until the fifth stage where we had an accident, uh, and and right, and then obviously won the the class uh, on then to West Cork, and we had mechanical failure in it, uh, and then the circuit then again my fault. We had uh, we had another off, so uh, three. The first three rallies of the year, 
was was stroked off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only then in Killarney and Donegal then that we we got a finish and both them were wins. So um nice to get the result in them by rallies, but um we we definitely needed it for the championship. Yeah. And you, you know, this year of all years, probably the way the championship is going to you know finish up, it probably allows you, you know, to to drop them scores and still leave you in a, a good position. Yeah, it does leave us in a good position, yeah, with the drop scores, but um, we do need another two good rallies going forward here with Cork and in the Ulster. So uh, we need we need two strong rallies um, to leave us right for the championship, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Cork is, is a new event to you, probably a new event to most of the guys as well, so it leaves a, a level playing field. And then, you know, so that will make that interesting. And then the Ulster... You know, you have a night stage to contend with as well on the Friday, which is again something yeah. different for everybody as well. It's a, it's going to be an epic battle to, to the finish. It is like Ryan's pace has come on all year, so you know he's getting stronger every rally. Um, and it, it's just, it, it's a real good championship, a real good fight between me and him. So hopefully, I can go down to, uh, go down to the Ulster, and, and the the quickest man comes out on top. Hopefully, yeah. And like as you say, like you know. Doing a championship, you're competing against the same guys. So, you know, it's, it's always a good gauge of where your performance is at. Do you feel that you, you have developed as a driver this year too, doing them, you know, the longer rallies and, and at a higher level? Yeah, definitely doing these bigger rallies. Um, at the start of the year, I probably wasn't driving as well as what I am now, I, I feel anyway. Um, and putting more pressure... Since, since Galway started to put more pressure on myself and probably didn't enjoy the rallying as much as what I should have, but sort of uh, come Killarney, relaxed a bit more, and I've been enjoying the both Killarney and Donegal. Uh, they've been great rallies, and I've been able to show my speed on them, so I have. So uh, going, going forward into Cork this weekend, I'll be doing the same, just going there to have fun. Um, obviously, I know in the back of my mind that I need a result, but... Not really focusing too much on that. Um, mm-hmm. Just going to enjoy the rally more than anything. That was great to get Jason's take on it. And I'm really interested to see how that Rally Forward Championship plays out over the rest of the season. Another person that we caught up with this week was Aoife Raftery. Aoife is relatively new on the scene, uh, just over a year's rallying under her belt. And uh, we wanted to catch up with her and see, you know, what she had to say for herself. You're a lady on the move. You've, you've kind of appeared out of nowhere almost. Um, and certainly making waves uh, with regard to Irish rallying. So where did you come from? How did you get started? What's been the interest in, in, in motorsport? Um, I suppose I've always had a background in motorsport. Um, but last July, I went out and I did my first rally. I, um, I originally got into it from my father and my brother. They both used to drive. Um, so I've always been going to events, but it was just last year that I took it on myself. So, Aoife, you, you started in rallying just over a year ago, but you didn't just start on the, the home event or the local events down the road. You Actually, your first event was on gravel as part of the British Rally Championship at the Nicky Gris stages. How did you end up starting there? Yeah, um, I suppose I wanted to get out driving myself. And to, at the time, COVID was um, here. And unfortunately, in Ireland, the events hadn't returned yet. And I really wanted to get going and get started. So that's how we decided we'd go to the UK and we'd do our first event and just get the ball rolling. Yeah. And it wasn't just a one-off. You've done several rounds of the of the BRC. Yeah, we did. And it was a great experience. And we learned so much and we met so many great people over there. 
um, it was definitely it was a really good experience and a good place to learn. Yeah, it's, it's a very good training ground, uh, you know, and, and the, the forests there are very different to the forest at home here. So, you know, if you are going to learn anywhere about tight, tough competition, that is one of the places. Yeah, definitely. Like the guys over there were so experienced and they it was it was very good for myself because, you know, they would also help me as well. Give me tips. Um, it was brilliant. And we got to do recce over there on the gravel events, which you don't get here in Ireland, which was a huge help, too. Yeah. And as a benchmarking exercise, did it give you somewhere to aim for or, you know, were you were you really were you aware of that or looking at that at that stage or, or was it a benchmarking exercise? Um, no, definitely. Like we went over and I tried not to put too much pressure on because I didn't know where um, where I'd be based against them. So it was just nice to go over and see uh, how it would get on. And we were just more focused on building up our own pace, uh, working on our pace notes and just getting that seat time, as I say. Mm. and you've you've taken your first foray into rallying very seriously like you've you've spent time um being coached by matt edwards if i'm correct yeah yeah that was um a brilliant experience we had matt over um last october now um it was a super he he's very good at a teaching and tutoring and explaining um so that was a huge huge help and especially with all his experience and how quick he is it was great to have him in the care and just get those tips from brilliant. Yeah. and I believe taught you left foot breaking yeah yeah he did um I suppose I kind of knew how to do it before but I wasn't putting it into use and then when he was in, sitting beside me um we got that going and now it's just I don't even know how before I didn't use left foot breaking so that was a huge huge help it's just second nature now when you're in the rally yeah car, yeah yeah and then you, you're just off the back of the the down rally how did that go for you that was um, that was a really nice event. The stages were fantastic. Um, we did a lot of work in recce, um, and we did a we we do a lot of me myself and my co-driver Jerling. We do a lot of practice uh, making our pace notes recently, and so we were trying something new for that recce and bringing it into the event with our notes. And I think it has definitely helped going forward in the future. Yeah, and some tricky conditions up on, on, on the Down Rally. There was mist on some of the stages on the, the Hamilton's Folly stage. And, you know, it was damp conditions as well. Those roads were tight and, and tricky in places. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, they were tricky, but they were really, really enjoyable stages. Um, really, I loved Hamilton's Folly. It was it was a fantastic stage. But no, they, they are, it was definitely tricky, but it was also still learning. So it was fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned Geraldine McBride. So you, you've partnered with Geraldine now for, for you know, quite several months. And Geraldine's yeah. quite an experienced co-driver. Has she been very helpful? And is she she helping you to, to you know, get to grips and the finer points of, of the pace notes? Oh, yeah, certainly. She's brought like, you know, the level of professionalism. Um, she has so much experience that since she's come, we've really, really upped our pace notes. Um, it's something we're really, really focusing on. And they've definitely improved. Um, as well, she's super organized. Um, everything is scheduled and planned down to a T. So that's what I need and it's perfect. Um, but no, she's great. And as you say, so much experience that she's teaching me new things as well. Yeah. And in, in, you know, in the space of a year, not only have you been competing in the UK as well as Ireland, you also had a run on the San Remo rally. Um, how did that come around? Yeah, um, that was that was another fantastic event. Um, no, we we knew the gravel in Italy was um, 
they're serious rallies to do and like you learn so much from them um, and it was just a new challenge and to learn and go do something new and get that experience of outside of Ireland events and so that's what we did we went over we went out in a Peugeot 208 or two um, lovely care uh, fantastic stages and we went over and we just want to see we wanted to go and learn as I say and just build up on the knowledge um, of events outside Ireland because it was a huge new task was it an eye-opener? Is it a different level? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. The pace out there is super quick. Um, but again, it's still nice to be able to see, place yourself against the other um, competitors out there and see how you're coming along. So it was definitely very good that way. Um, and you're also working with the Motorsport Ireland Academy. What's involved in that? Yeah, um, so I selected for the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy for 2022. Um, we do a lot of work with nutrition and fitness. Um, the last Academy Day, we worked on flexibility and reactions, which is all fantastic. And you like some people might not know that you need all these elements, but the Academy come and they teach you so much new things. It's fantastic. Um, and then also like they have um, Josh McAleen and William Crichton there. Um, they're at WRC levels. So with them as well, like you're always getting top tips and help from them guys, which is fantastic um, to have those, that communication. And what do you call it? What's, what's, what's the future hold? What's the, what's the immediate or the, or the, you know, the intermediate plans for yourself, Aoife? Um, It's to keep building up at the moment, see time and experience and just get, improve my pace. And then like um, the future is definitely to, would be to rally full-time um, is the plan. But at the moment, we're just really trying to focus on building everything up and trying to get it all to come together. Because as like we've still only been rallying just, just over a year at this stage, so it's still a lot of catching up to do. But um, yeah, no, it's going fantastic. So it is, and like, we've had so many great people um, that they're all so helpful as well. And have you earmarked any other European events you know, for, for, for experience building? Yeah, we definitely hope to get back out again. It's just a matter of choosing the right events where we can gain the most knowledge from. Um, but definitely that would be the plan, yeah. You know, we continually extol the virtues of MA Academy and to sit here, if I talk there, you know, it just reinforces what we've been saying all along, you know. So um, on this weekend, we have the Cork 20. It's going to be a fascinating battle, so... Number two, stay tuned and get you know get all the latest information there because it's going to be epic. It really is this weekend, isn't it, Connor? Oh, it is. This is an important one in the championship. It, it, this will determine whether you know it goes down to the wire or not, or, or how it all unfolds. So <laughs> it, it really is. It, it's on the edge of the seat stuff, where I'm hoping it will be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, so uh, if you could please like, share, um, comment. Uh, you know, share, whatever, you know, all these different things you can do on social media. <laughs> We're probably not the best at all that kind of thing. But, you know, all your likes, shares, comments, every one of them's appreciated. And if you see us out and about too, come up and say hello as well too, which is it's lovely as well. So until the next time, take care, speak soon and bye.